This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. I wanted to start off today asking about a real life scenario. Has anybody here ever been in a fire? And if you have, my apologies, I don't want to traumatize you or bring up any of that, but have you ever been in a fire or been close to a fire? I don't mean like you're barbecuing and, you know, your crazy uncle squirts too much, you know, gasoline on it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, right? Like everybody's got that uncle or maybe you are, are that uncle, right? You're just fascinated with lighter fluid. But um, I'm not talking like that. I'm not talking about a bonfire. I'm not talking about a campfire. I'm not talking about, I'm talking like emergency, this could be a threat to human lives, fire. Anybody? Okay, couple, cool. Okay, so, I mean, not cool, but you can relate. So, uh, I remember when we first got married, Carmen and I, we moved, we lived in Orlando, a home in Mickey Mouse, and we moved to a neighboring city just to the north of it called Ocala. And uh, Ocala's nickname is Slowcala um, because there's literally nothing but horse farms there. And John Travolta, for some reason, he, he lives there. And so... Um, we're in, we're, we had just moved to Ocala. We were working at a small church there, and um, it pro- we had probably lived there for, I don't know, five months at this point. And we lived in like a, a little, you know, quaint, cute apartment, second floor of this building. And one night, you know, we're out on a romantic date because that's all we do. And uh, we're coming back from a romantic date, and um, uh, we're walking up the, the stairs to our, our second level like platform and as we're walking up we're like looking around and it's just like black smoke everywhere and Carmen's like she's like you see that and I'm like oh yeah yeah I do where's that coming from and she's like like that's like a real fire what where is that coming from and so we start investigating because we're nosy and uh we're walking around and we're like looking like I'm walking to the cracks of doors on my level and I'm smelling their door. <laughs> I'm like walking up to the door and I'm like, no, not that house. Could be this one or they they make weird food, right? And so um, I walk up, I'm finding what house it is. Well, I walk to the third story and I quickly find the house. There's black smoke billowing out from under the crack of the door. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this isn't normal. This isn't cool. Like, uh, like one time when I was in high school, my dad burnt chicken tenders in the oven. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> My dad put Tyson chicken, probably because they're Tyson, but he put Tyson chicken tenders in the oven and let them boys cook for too long. And at the, at the end, there were charcoal biscuits. And uh, uh, I walked into the house. He had fallen asleep watching TV with chicken tenders in the oven. That's the bachelor life. And uh, uh, it wasn't like that situation. I was like, man, I've seen, you know, burnt chicken tender smoke. This is not burnt chicken tenders. Like, there's something going on here. So I'm banging on the door. I'm yelling, I'm like, hey, who's in there, man? You're going to die, you know, and, and, and nobody's coming to the door. So I run down, like, another platform. You know how, like, the hotel, or not hotel, apartment uh, staircases are. You got to go down, like, you know, six flights of stairs to go down two floors. And so I went down, and I lean over the rail, and I'm trying to look in the, the back patio. And when I look in the back patio, it literally looked like a bomb went off inside, just smoke woof, woof, everywhere, right? And I'm like, ah! So I run back up there, and I'm kicking on the door, and Carmen's down on the floor below, and she's going, everything all right? I was like, no! Like, 
we're about to find somebody. So I'm like, call the ambulance, call the fire department. And I drop down on the floor and I'm trying to look under like the crack in the, in the, in the door to see if I can see under there. It was weird, dude. Like I look under and I, I promise you, picture this, picture you're looking under like a half inch thin crack in the floor, right? Like under the doorway. And it was really poorly sealed. I, that, I remember that because I could see straight into the house. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm looking in, and all I see is smoke, 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 smoke. And then I see feet. And it was like a horror movie, dude, because I'm pounding on the door, and I saw feet, but nobody answered the door. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I can see your toes. What are you doing? You know, and, like, they're not answering. So finally the fire department gets there, and them dudes are big, buff homies. They look just like me. And they, <laughs> they run up the stairs. They run to the door. And I kid you not, I promise, it was like a movie. I was like, ah! Like the dude walks up and just boom and kicked the door clean in. And I was like, oh, that's sweet, right? And they run in, and it's just like mayhem, like <laughs> blasting everything. Lucky enough for me, they didn't even tell me to get out the way. I was like, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, nobody was like, bro, get out of here. I was like, yo, what y'all doing in there? And so they put the fire out. They get the guy. They have to take homeboy out on a gurney. I don't know why he couldn't answer the door. I don't know. And uh, all I remember was looking into the apartment, and it couldn't have been long that this was going on. Like, the whole story I just told, um, I'm Puerto Rican, like I said, so it took me about eight minutes to tell that. It happened in like 30 seconds. And uh, um, it, it probably wasn't long, right, that, that this was going on uh, because somebody else would have caught it, called somebody. The, the apartment next door probably would have heard it. Something would have happened. So it probably didn't take long, but I remember thinking to myself when they got the door open, yo, this place is jacked up. There's like fire marks up the wall. The kitchen counter was already burnt and like caved in. Uh, there's smoke everywhere. You could see like not even from flames, like from smoke damage going up the walls in the, in the back hallway and everything. Like a lot of damage really quick from a fire that I don't know how big it could have been in that apartment. But there was a lot of destruction for probably a little fire, right? And... I'll never forget that, thinking to myself, man, that happened really quickly. That progressed really quickly. Uh, I don't know ultimately what caused it, but I do know that I didn't see the guy that lived there for about three months. And during that whole time, they were refurbishing, refurbishing that apartment. So it took months and months and months to rebuild the damage that had happened in there. And, and you could imagine, probably for years to come, you're going to smell smoke damage in there. There's still going to be things lingering from the damage that happened from that fire. You guys all, I'm taking it that you live in or around the Detroit area, and you guys aren't strangers to fire damage either, right? Like we, you drive down there, you might be trying to catch a Pistons game, but you're going to see six houses that were burnt down, right? Like fire damage is unmistakable. You know what it looks like. You know what happened there, and and destruction is spread or spreads quickly from that. But here's what I thought was interesting. I was looking into this and statistics say that over 90% of fires that happen in public are caused by human interaction. Caused by human interaction. Here's what this means, ready? That when you drive by a house down in Detroit and it looks like a war zone, somebody didn't pull a pin on a, th a grenade and throw a grenade in there and let it explode. Somebody didn't walk up on that thing and, you know, zone it out like modern warfare and drop a nuke on it and watch it, watch it blow, right? 
Somebody walked up in there, lit something on fire, and threw it inside and walked away. Something small caused a great amount of damage. A fire that big started with a small spark from one person or a group of people, but it wasn't a huge outside force. 90% of fires, forest fires, burnt down houses, arson, all that stuff, 90% of it happens from a small fire in the original area. I thought that was interesting because we're talking about toxic today, right? And today I'm talking about toxic words. And when you think about fire, if you've ever caught anything on fire, right? Like I was cooking the other day and I had like paper towels too close to the burner and they caught on fire. And I was like trying to pick it up and grab it and move it like three feet to the sink to put it out. And before I could get the three feet from here to here to put it out, it was already burning my fingertips. Fire moves quick, right? Fire spreads quickly and it takes everything in its path. If you've seen the California forest fires, you know this, right? Interesting thing about this is that when the Bible talks about language, Scripture talks about language over and over and over again, there's an analogy that they pull over and over again to talk about our language, right? Or talk about our words, and it's the spreading of fire or damage or life or death. The power of your words in Scripture is heavy. The things that Jesus says or the disciples say about your words is heavy. And they always point out that not only are your words strong for positive reasons, but they, they encourage us to be careful to avoid bad words or being careless with our words because they're powerful in ways that could have a negative impact. This is true from the oldest of us down to the youngest of us. Um, if you know me, uh, then you know I have a, a five-year-old daughter. Her name is Olivia. It's impossible that you didn't see her because she does not stop talking from the second you see her. And she, for a good two years, was like addicted to the show Peppa Pig. Anybody see it? Anybody? Peppa Pig fans in the house? Yeah? Uh, this, is how, this is how into Peppa Pig Olivia is. Um, this, is this is true. Uh, Olivia now calls me Daddy Pig, which is the dad's name on the show. So when we're out in public, it's kind of, it sounds like I'm letting my kid disrespect me. Because we'll be in, like, Kroger, and she'll be like, hey, Daddy Pig. And I'll be like, yo, what's up? And everybody's like, what? What's going on there? And she calls Carmen Mama Pig or Mommy Pig. Um, she, in, in the show, Peppa has a little brother named George. My dog's name is Grizzly, but she calls him George sometimes. Like, in her mind, she's Peppa, right? And so if you don't know what Peppa Pig is, Peppa Pig is a show about a little piggy whose name is Peppa, but she's British. And Peppa uses funny, and I'm not saying it funny, it's not Pepper, it's Peppa, okay? And Peppa uses different terms because she's British, she uses different terms to talk about things. Um, so instead of saying like a little bit, she'll say like a wee bit. Or like instead of saying a little, she'll just say a bit. Uh, instead of calling something uh, a stuffed animal, she'll call it a teddy, right? And so we're walking around the store and we were noticing that Olivia was starting to change her vocabulary, and we didn't catch on at first what was happening. So we, we'd walk through the store, and Olivia would be like, you know, there'd be like a rack of, of stuffed animals, like Valentine's Day or whatever, and she'd be like, ooh, Daddy, I want that teddy. And I'd be like, who are you, kid? Like, what do you, what do you watch? You know what I mean? Like, she, she'd be like, we, we'd be trying to discipline her, and she'd be like, you know, I'd be like, Olivia, you can't say something like that. That's not funny. And she'd be like, well, it is a wee bit funny. <laughs> and I'd be like, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't get it. till one day, 
we're, uh, we're, we're actually in the store, and we're, we're uh, checking out the toys, and there's like an animatronic Peppa Pig that, you know, you push a button, and it talks. And I pushed the button on it, and Peppa was like, uh, Daddy Pig, have you seen my teddy? And I was like, oh. You hit another button, and it's like, uh, you know, that is a wee bit funny. It sounded like Olivia, and I was like, oh, she's picking up. On, these, on like these words, the, the influence that that show had on her was able to dictate the way that she was talking, right? She was letting those things come into her ears, into her mind from watching the show, right? It had influence on her so much to where she didn't even realize she wasn't using like American verbiage anymore. She was just talking how her favorite character talks, right? The power of words is subtle sometimes, but it's heavy. And so um, here's... Here's how the Bible breaks it down. I'll just, I'll just break it down for you like this. Um, James 3, 5 through 6 says this, if you want to throw that up there. Hallelujah. It says this. It says, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it itself is set on fire or set on fire by hell. Dang. <laughs> Proverbs 18:21 says it like this, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love I love this cuz it's such a ratchet translation. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You like to talk? You like to run that mouth? You'll reap the consequences. Those who you just love to, I got friends that love to talk, and you'd be like, like some people are always like, yo, why you always got something to say? Everybody's got a friend that always got something to say, right? And you would think that's me, but it's not. I got some slick friends, right? And you'd be like, bro, why you always running that mouth, right? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you can say a lot of words. You can say a lot of things. But be careful because you're throwing out words. You're just going, 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 going. And it's kind of like anything. The more you dilute it, the less potent it is, right? And so we tend to think about words like that. The more words we use, the less impactful we feel they are. But that's not how it goes. Every word that comes out of your mouth, we're responsible for. We literally are told right here that we have the power of death and life. There's two sides to it. You can't just take the credit for when you're like building somebody up and being like, oh man, you're the best. I love you. I love your music. You're great. You're this. You can't take credit for that and be like, I'm such an encouragement. And then disregard the times that you're telling the truth, right? I, I used to say that. That used to be my excuse. I'd be like, well, the truth hurts, man. I'm not going to lie to you. And that was my excuse for, like, being a jerk, right? You can't just shrug off the times that you're being, like, aggressive and hurtful with your words and then only acknowledge the times that you're using them the right way. The Bible says we're accountable for both death and life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Here's why this is, is a big deal. Like, that's surface level right there. That, that's kind of like aggressive talk about it, but... but there's so much more underneath that, and here's why. Because when you and I talk, it doesn't just come from here. It's not just like you had a thought and then you said it, right? My mom used to always tell me, like, you need to think before you speak because you keep saying things that are going to get you in trouble. You need to think before you speak. Here's the problem. Thinking before you speak isn't always the remedy because if you're not thinking the right way, 
then it doesn't matter how many times you think about something, you're going to keep saying the wrong thing. It's like we have this impulse to just spew out things. And sometimes we, we, we talk and we'll, like, we'll sit there and we'll say something and then we'll go, Ooh, wish I could take that back. Anybody had a moment like that before? I remember, <laughs> I mean, listen, I had a, I've had many, many, many bad moments with a microphone. Many. And I remember one time, uh, I was, I'm not going to say what I said, but I was, doing a, I was doing a wedding reception for somebody. I don't know why. People are like, you rap, you could DJ. It's an easy tie-in. So people, somebody asked me to DJ their wedding. And uh, they were like, hey, man, the, the husband kept coming over to me and going, hey, man, you could play like that R. Kelly stuff or like that, like, you know, that old, like, that old, like, you know, mommy, daddy music kind of, that's my thing. Like, he was trying to be like, you know, like, he was trying to, like, have some motion. Yeah, I mean, you, you feel what I'm saying. Netflix and chill in public. And so he kept coming over to me asking me to play this music. And I was like, bro, I'm not playing that music, fam. And he was like, all right, bro, I mean, I'm paying you. You play what I want you to play. I was like, all right. So I played the music, right? And uh, I played the music, and the pastor came over to me and was like, yo, what, uh, like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? You can't do this. And, I'm, again, I'm not going to tell you what I said, but I, from the stage, like, I was on the stage, and the wedding party was around, and I remember saying something so slick. I was like, well, you know, I remember, like, this guy told me to do, and I, I'm not going to tell you what I said. It was very wrong, but I sold this guy out hard in front of the whole wedding party because I was agitated. And, and I kid you not, what I said was so like, it wasn't, I don't feel like it was wrong, but it was the wrong time, right? And the way I said it, the words that I used, my choice words that I thought about before I threw them out were so powerful that it literally ended the wedding reception. Like I said it and the, and the, <laughs> and the bride was like, everybody get your stuff, we're leaving. And I kid you not, they all unplugged, like, they, they, like, unplugged the speakers, they unplugged all that stuff, they grabbed all that stuff, they got up, and they went to walk away, and the guy was like, peace. And he left, he, it, got, it got pretty scrappy, because my man left without, like, paying me, and so then, you know, we're outside of the parking lot, like, what's up, and we're exchanging, and it got bad really quickly, because, and, and what I said in the nature of it, I was trying to joke around. I was, like, throwing out a joke at him, and when I threw the joke out, bad time, wrong audience, like the record skipped and everybody got up and dipped at once. And I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, like when Carmen hears about this, I'm dead. Like I wasn't even worried about the, I was like, y'all can leave. I get to go home early. I was like, oh my gosh, when Carmen finds out, I'm done. Like I'm toast. She's going to wreck me. And it didn't happen. I don't, I don't know if she ever found out, so I hope she don't listen to this. But it was bad. Like I cleared a room quick. Quick, it doesn't matter how many times. I, I was sitting there stewing on it while I was DJing, doing my thing. I was thinking, man, if they keep trying me, here's what's going to happen. Please give me a reason. To and I was waiting for that opportunity so I could mic drop. Problem is, when I mic dropped, it was so effective, I ruined a wedding. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, instantly, I wish I could do that differently. And we all, if we're honest, we all, whether it's not on that scale or, or whether it's on that scale or a smaller scale, we all have moments like this where we just say some stuff we don't mean to say and we wonder where it comes from. Words can be toxic, but they're tied in to something much deeper. Here's how Jesus himself puts this. 
Luke 6, 43 through 45. Throw it up there. It's a good, this is what Jesus says. He says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. I don't know what a bramble bush is. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. Here's the crux of that whole thing. Jesus is talking about this is the the, the good things that you'll show. These are the good things that you'll do. And it's like action, action, action. But they're going to tie in to encapsulate that whole thought of action and what you do and what you do and what you show and how you act and how you live. It's all encapsulated in by this sentence. It says, and what you say flows from what's in your heart. Other translations say it like this, from the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. When you overflow with something, that's what's gonna come out whenever you have a chance to really talk. Whatever is stored up in here is what's gonna inevitably show itself. This is what Jesus tells us. Jesus is saying, look, here's why your words are powerful. And I think, I think the whole life and death thing, it, it's for people who receive our words, but it's also for us. It's also a gauge for us. Jesus is effectively saying that toxic heart, toxic words. If you find yourself in a situation where you are constantly using aggressive language, Maybe it's, maybe it's when you're in traffic, right, and you're driving and you're, you know, somebody cuts you off and you have that go-to word that you use. You know what I mean? Maybe it's when your kids make you angry or somebody makes you angry at work, how you're going to talk about them behind their back. Maybe it's when you and your spouse get into it, uh, uh, the things that you're so ready to say, right? Like you just have that defense ready. You're ready to just go at it. Those things aren't there by accident. The way that you address people or react to people don't happen by accident. That's what Jesus is saying. This is not an accident. This stuff is actually stored up in your heart. And what you say is pretty much like a little tiny window that you put right here on your heart and people can finally see into what you're really thinking and storing inside of you. That's powerful. That's powerful. We live in a culture where, like, literally, we can take any, we can get anything we want right here at our fingertips at any time. Any entertainment we want, any show, any song, any video, any sports, anything, whatever you, podcasts, books, magazines, pictures, quotes, anything you want, there's an app for that. And we live in this world where it's like, We're so dismissive because the exchange of information is so rapid and so big and so vast. It's easy to look at your words just just like another stone on the pile. But the spiritual implications are still there. You ever met somebody and after you hear them talk for like five minutes, you've already kind of decided whether or not you want to hang out with them ever again? Because you're like, okay, I haven't known you long, but I already kind of get a feeling for the kind of person you, that's because they gave you a window to what they really think about things and it don't hit home with you too well. You're not liking it too much. The problem is, is that people can do that about us. 
And even worse than that, you have the power of not only life but death in your words. How do you talk to your kids? How do you talk to your coworkers? How do you talk about people? People that you agree with, people that you disagree with. You literally, in a sentence, can make somebody so excited, so motivated to, like, chase their dreams, to go after something. Like, man, somebody believes in me. The most powerful thing about what I do as a youth pastor is make kids believe in themselves by telling them how much I believe in them. My favorite thing to do as a youth pastor is I'll walk up to a a teenager and I'll take them under my arm and I'll be like, yo, that was dope, man. Like, that was, we went to Sean's hockey game last night and Sean came off the ice and Sean was like, man, I didn't even have a good game, man. I wish you would have came to last week's game. I was really playing. You know, and he was downing himself and I was like, bro, if that was a bad game for you, you're an all-star, my man, because that was sweet, dude. You were playing your heart out, bro. And we brought a whole team of people to just encourage one kid because if you have the power, you understand the power you have in your words to shape their mind, to shape what they think about themselves. It's powerful. Why wouldn't you do it more, right? But then conversely... We don't throw parties and you don't go to somebody's hockey game to just yell insults at them and tell them how bad they suck. You don't do it and you don't, you don't make it like a, a, like a highly visible thing. Nobody takes pictures of that and posts it on Instagram, right? But what if we did? What if we did? How many moments in a day do we have little parties to just dump on people or dump on things or to voice our opinion that... In a a platform that really doesn't matter and we just forget how powerful these words are. Here's the thing is that you're kind of playing yourself too. People can read into that. It's a window to your heart. Insecurity. Anger. Bitterness. Doubt. Lust. Fear. What comes out when you talk? What comes out when you talk? I heard heard somebody say that we use over, I think they said 16,000 words a day. If you were to type that out, that would be the equivalent of like a six-chapter book. Every day. Something like that. Those numbers may be off, but you speak... A book a day, a whole book a day. It's a lot of words. How many times do we think about the power that those words have? Jesus said toxic heart, toxic words. So maybe like, maybe you're the person that has been hurt by words. I shared my story a while ago, like I think the first time I ever spoke here, about an interaction I had with a pastor who was an authoritative figure in my life that, that I had only ever known in a positive light, and we had a negative interaction. And he said things to me that he must, I mean, we've had conversation after conversation after conversation. He was at my wedding. He had sent us birthday cards, Christmas cards. All these different things, so many interactions, so many words, and I don't remember none of them. You know what I do remember? Like the 10 words that he said to me that totally made me rethink my life. The 10 words he said to me that totally crushed my confidence. 
hundreds of thousands of words and encouragement that he said to me through the years were gone in an instant because of like 10 or 15 words that he said that he didn't think about. He spoke death over me. And it wrecked everything I thought about myself and everything I thought about him. We say a lot of words. You say a lot of words. You hear a lot of words. The power of death and life hangs on your syllables. Like the power of death and life hangs in your words, your vocabulary. What would it look like if we like, like try to put the most meaning into, into each word that we spoke instead of just throwing them around carelessly? What if we set out for a day? How different would our friends group, friend group look if we set out in the day and we we're like, listen, I'm going to make a pact with you. We're going to shake hands and all day you're not saying anything negative. I'm not saying anything negative. We're only saying good things. We're going to be in a negative situation and we're only going to speak positive. It would change your whole outlook on life. Because going back to this, Jesus says, listen, your words have literally have the power to set your life on fire. Do you constantly feel like your world is spinning? Do you constantly feel like the people around you's world is spinning? Things are never right. People are always losing. People are always in, in a down and out way. What about it needs to change? And we ask ourselves over and over, man, what do I need to do different? I can't keep living like this. I can't. These are all things that I've said. You know what I noticed is when I stopped hiding things in my heart and started addressing them, when I realized, yo, I'm holding on to bitterness and anger and doubt and malice and, and jealousy. I'm holding on to these things so tight that I can't even enjoy a good moment in life because the second something happens, I'm ready to throw mud at anybody who's enjoying it because I can't enjoy it. I have this anchor in my heart that's holding me down so bad that I can't even be happy for you. Jesus says we need to address those toxic heart, toxic words. If you're saying stuff that you just can't figure out why you're so mean or rude or jealous or hateful or you can't stop cussing or you can't, can't encourage your kids the right way or you always feel like you're arguing, why can't we ever talk? Why can't we ever talk? I feel like all we do is yell. That's not a conversational problem. That's a heart problem. That's a heart problem. Why can't we talk about things? That's because you're hiding something in here that we have to address first. We can't use the right words to build each other up and problem solve if we haven't solved what's going on in here first. That's what Jesus said. There's not a lot to it. It's like you could go all the way in on that. There's not, I didn't prepare a whole bunch of other stuff to it because I know too well the reality of this. I've had so many friendships I've lost by joking too much. I've literally ruined friendships by not knowing when to shut my mouth. I know it too well. You know it too well. So maybe today you're, uh, maybe you're the person that is sitting here thinking about this and you're going, you know what? I mean, I do, like, you know, I probably could watch my mouth a little bit. <laughs> but it's not that bad. Don't brush it off. There's something there. Maybe you're the person here that's like, you know what? Every time I'm about to do something, I down myself first. 
we had this crazy talk. I won't name names, but over winter, uh, Winterfest break, we had a, a pretty cool moment in a room with one of our junior high kids. And um, our junior high kid was just, <laughs> it was pretty funny. <clears throat> we're, uh, we're about to go down to the pool. And if you guys know the stigma of big guys, we don't like to take our shirt off in the pool. It's just what it is. I don't care because, you know, I'm, I'm fully confident. I'm beautiful. But I was in the hotel room. Thank you, Lord. Ooh. And uh, I was in the hotel room, and this middle schooler is sitting on the bed. And I'm like, all right, man, get up. Get your bathing suit on. We're going to go down to the pool. And my man's like, no. No. Nope. Come on, man. Come on. It's fun. It's going to be fun. Don't you want to have fun? We're going to go. Come on. We're going to throw each other around and almost drown in the pool. But that's what this is all about. Like, coming within an inch of your life in the water is fun. Like, you want to do this. Nope. No. It's, it's funny because it escalated really quickly. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, fine. Check it out. Look. You don't have to, like, you don't have to get in the water. Just come sit by the water so I can get in the water because I can't leave you in this room, <clears throat> in this room alone. You got to come down and sit right there so I can see you so I can swim. I want to swim, so you got to go sit by the pool. Do this for me. No, I'm not doing it, okay? Like legit, just freaking out on me. And I was like, all right, fine, fine. I won't swim, you won't swim, but I got to go watch everybody else swim, so you got to come watch me watch everybody else swim. So we walk down there, or we, we take the elevator down, we walk up to the pool edge. <laughs> we walk in, door opens, chlorine hits you in the face, laughter everywhere. <laughs> Best time of our lives. Kid walks in and goes, Ridge? Yeah, man, come on, let's go sit here. No, no, you got, the, you got the room key? I'm going to go put on my bathing suit. I want to swim. <laughs> okay, let's go. We get back up there, go up there, change. Next situation comes up. All right, guys, where you guys want to go? Let's go downstairs. This is totally illegal, so don't tell me. But let's go downstairs. They have those, like, electric scooters. I'll rent one, and all of you guys can try them with no helmet. How's that sound? <laughs> this is true. And, <laughs> and, uh. We walk down there, and they're like, yeah, let's do it. Everybody's getting on. I'm letting him ride like 10 feet, and I got Mateo on the other side, like, catching him. So in case they start swerving, he can just grab him, right? It's totally safe. And, uh, and uh, unless they hit, like, 15, then he's, you're going out, my man. I put you in the bad spot. I was sending him off, and you were just, you were taking bullets. But so we're down there, and this kid's about to get on the scooter now. And the, the, this kid's like, all right, I'm going to do this. Goes to grab the handlebars of the scooter. No, no, I can't, no, like literally internal battle going on the whole time. No, I can't, I can't do that, I can't do this. No, I'm not doing it, no. And I'm like, come on, bro, let's go. No, I'm not doing it, no. Another fight. Hour and a half later, we finish dinner, we go back to the room. Mateo starts wrestling, starts being crazy, pillow fighting. This kid's sitting there like, like wanting to get in on the pillow fight action so bad. I leaned over to, I, I looked over and I said, yo, pick up a dang pillow. Let's get it. No, okay. No, I'm not doing it. Why, man? Come on, why? No, you don't understand. I'm going to do that. And if I do that, then this could possibly happen. And if I do that, 
that could possibly happen and, and that'll ruin everything. And so I can't do it. I'm just going to sit right here. And one of our leaders leaned over to him. Uh, you guys know Tony, beautiful guy. He, uh, he looks over at him and he goes, hey, man, listen, all day we've been watching you want to do things, want to be a part of things. And right as you're about to do it every time, you say something that totally, totally takes all of the wind. Like, you totally, like, downgrade yourself, totally take any, any, anything that you can have. Any, I'm searching for the word, but I can't find the word. You totally just count yourself out of everything before you even get going. And we hear you do it. Do you even realize you're doing it? And he's trying to talk to him. He's saying, listen, every time you're about to do something, you say something to count yourself out. You say something to, to take five steps back, and you can't help but verbalize it. You constantly say things about yourself that make you seem like you're not capable, but you are. All you got to do is do it. And this kid had like an epiphany. Whoa, I really do that? I really say that out loud? Like, yes, bro, Yes. So the whole rest of the weekend, we were watching. We'd have, like, opportunities, right, to, like, do other things. And you would literally watch the mental battle go on in his mind. Come on, man, you want to do this? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, come on, come on, come on. And it was almost like, come on, man, force me to do this before I change my mind. Because, listen, that whole big story for this... That don't just happen for middle school kids. That happens to y'all too. That happens to me too. Some of y'all have dreams that you want to chase. Some of y'all have things that you want to encounter, places you want to go. But before you, you step into that, you're constantly doing that. You're going to step into it and you're like, no, 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 no. I can't do this. What could that mean for my family? No, 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 I can't do this. No, I'm not good enough to do that. No, no, I can't. I don't have the education for that. I don't have the money for that. I don't have the charisma for that. I don't have the, ex whatever it is, some of you guys talk yourself out of it. There's a show that I watch uh, called A Million Little Things. It's totally a chick show, but I love it. Yes. And, and one of the things that the guy, there's a guy that died on there, no spoilers, right? But there's a guy that died on there. And one of the things that he said that I quote all the time now, he said, you can maybe yourself, or no, you can someday yourself out of a life. You can tell yourself next time, someday, maybe later. You can, you can talk yourself out of living. Your words have the power of life and death and even being passive about your words can bring death into a situation. Stalling on something or talking yourself out of something that you know you should do is killing that situation off. Life and death, maybe that's you. Maybe you're angry, maybe you're prideful. Maybe you want something to happen and you keep seeing all of your friends get there before you and now you're jealous. Now you're bitter. I don't know what it is, but what you're going to do, what we're going to do, when the band plays this last song, there's no magic formula to this. The remedy for this is pretty simple. Jesus gives us this equation. Toxic heart equals toxic words. If you are guilty of saying something toxic, life-taking, not life-giving, doubt or yeah, uh, doubt giving, fear giving. You speak that over people. You speak that over you. You speak that over your kids. That's a heart thing. What we're gonna do for this next song is I want you guys to take just the next few minutes and let God just do some work. Address those things, man. Maybe it's a situation that happened long time ago 
that you never healed from. And it's totally changed your outlook on things. And now it's just bitterness that you spew out. What are you hiding in here? What are you hiding in here? Because every time you talk, we get to see it. You change this, you'll change this. Toxic here, toxic here. Dear Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.